0: Hello, welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we chat about Watford FC, of course, what else? Joining me on the show today is Jordan Wyman and Tom Bodell, and Tom, another victory yesterday as Watford beat Barnsley 1-0 at home, uh, a bit of a payback for reverse fixture at Oakwell, but how was the performance yesterday?
1: Yeah, I think I was premature in my kind of uh, pessimistic prediction when we spoke last said it would be uh, predicting a one all draw you guys both went for a win so clearly I was off the money but uh, I'm more than happy to be so it was I thought it was probably the best performance since Norwich under, under Chisco We didn't create heaps of chances necessarily, but I thought we got the ball into dangerous areas more often and as an overall point looked a lot more threatening. Um, Andre Gray's performance has kind of split Watford, Twitter. As I say, that's always where I use my barometer. Um, But I thought he was getting in in dangerous areas and we were getting the ball to him uh, a lot more than we have recently. So uh, overall, I was pretty encouraged and probably the biggest thing for me, is the fact that it's back-to-back wins with clean sheets and and two games where Daniel Backman, as well as he has done, and we've lauded him in the last few podcasts, um, you know he's he's not had an awful lot an awful lot to do, and, and that can only be
2: a good thing.
0: Yeah, Jordan what's your assessment of the game
2: yeah I think I think Tom's pretty spot on there I think um, for me personally I think probably the most promising aspect of the game was the fact that you could see we actually came into it with a plan of uh, how to play against Barnsley and how to how to counteract what they're going to do to us because I think as we discussed in the previous podcast too that was something that really really struggled with in the reverse fixture and we actually kind of had a way of approaching this one where we kind of compensate for that high, high press and especially through midfield and uh, yeah we were quite direct which I think definitely played a part in suiting Andre Gray. I think he was a little bit sharp in his movement, but I think it also definitely played to his strength somewhat, even if that wasn't necessarily the the main reason for the plan. It was something that was kind of a a happy coincidence for him. But uh, yeah, I think, again, it wasn't perfect. We weren't the cleanest in how we played, but I think we did what we needed to in the sense that we moved the ball quickly. We didn't get caught on the ball in midfield. We didn't get caught on the ball in defence, which is probably the the primary focus when you're playing a team that likes to be that aggressive uh, in your own half
0: yeah and and like you you mentioned both there that uh andre gray the selection was probably surprising given that um pedro was the one dropped and he's he scored the goal against huddersfield but i think it was clearly like you said a tactical one from from enough and and i mean for the most part he, he did quite well didn't he
2: yeah he did weird he well and I, I think the difficulty is we, we're gauging it by we're gauging it by andre gray performances rather than overall performance as a striker i think if I wouldn't say he had a particularly great game, but I think he he showed improvements on what we've seen um, from him over the rest of the season. So, yeah, he he didn't he didn't finish his chances again, which is something that we've we've seen a fair bit of. But he was moving better. He was he was a little bit more aggressive in his movement. He was sharper to get into those positions, and he found himself in the place to score a couple of opportunities. And he he didn't, but there was as we said those improvements. So it's not necessarily a terrible performance by any means, but it's still perhaps not. Up to the level which we which we want from him and also enough to perhaps justify his starting place in the team. I think Pedro being rested as well. I think he's just come back from injury and he's got he, he's got some minutes in him. He plays he plays some minutes against United and obviously the previous game for us in the championship too. So I think resting him wasn't the biggest surprise. Um but at the same time it, it's something we don't want to see too much. I think João Pedro is still gonna be pretty much a focal point for us uh, in that in one of those central spots.
0: Tom, I, uh, I I like yourself also scour Twitter to get uh, response from from Watford fans <laughs> to see how they're feeling. And uh, one name that came up quite a bit was Sheralto. Everyone seems to be to be raving about him. I know we've talked about him a few times on the show already, but um, it's hard not to talk about him again when he puts in such such good performances.
1: Yeah, it was another really good display from him, wasn't it? Um... You almost you're getting to the point where you're starting to think, you know, did uh, did we miss a trick in the the first few months of the season by not playing him more? I mean, not that the defense has been bad necessarily at any point, but uh, he's 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 really hasn't put a foot wrong. The only thing I would say is there was a point, I think it was about twenty minutes ago, where he had a bit of a, a hairy uh, sixty seconds or so. He sort of leapt into a or, or threw himself into a, a challenge on. I think it was Carlton Morris. Uh, in the penalty area that had kind of my heart in mouth at least and then mm. followed that up obviously uh, by nearly flicking what would have been a lovely center forwards header past Daniel Batman <laughs> who, who saved very well but you know apart from that you just have to say it was it was a continuation of his otherwise excellent run of uh, form and as Jordan said on the last pod it's Sierra it's, it's, it's Alta plus one at the moment isn't it on, on form?
2: Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? He's he's just done so well, it's hard to it's hard to drop him from the team in any capacity right now. He he just is very dominant and we've we've got players in in the in our team that can be dominant physically in terms of a uh, Kong and Cabacelli we we can see how they play in that centre back position in some similar ways. But I think I think Suriat has been very complete. He's he's not his passing numbers when he came to the club were something that stood out uh, I think when you looked a little bit deeper you saw that he maybe wasn't the most expansive in possession which is something we're seeing again now but ultimately that's that's kind of what we need is someone that's on the ball comfortable on the ball that can just play it simply and push it into midfield push it to the fullback and then just be strong and defend his box well and I think he's done that as well as you could possibly want uh, up until now Um He's, I think we've done a good job of, of creating a back line which suits how he plays too, like as, as we've discussed as, again previously. Maybe if you're going to have any concerns about him, it would be when he's in space. And it's very rarely that our um, centre-backs are running towards their own goal. And we, we do a good job of being in a position where we can, uh, we can see his strength. So as long as things stay the same in terms of our defensive shape, I think he's, he's one that has to stay in there. And as, as, as you're saying there as well, it's Seriata plus one. So he's been a real positive.
0: Has Wilmot um, been the full guy for, uh, for Um
2: I think it's possible, yeah. I, I, I Personally, I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't included last night. I think that, that ball-playing ability that he has is something that, which is unique and it I always like to see that utilised when possible. But I honestly think it's going to be centre-back by committee in terms of who's on form and who's going to be offering the best at that, at that current time. What about you, Tom?
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely been unlucky, hasn't he? Because he's probably been one of the revelations of the season up to the point that Sierra Alsa came into the team. Uh, I I think he's probably the most comfortable on the ball out of all the centre-backs. Obviously, Cabaselli's had problems in the past and's now injured. Um, Kong yesterday was a lot better on the ball, actually, but still there were a couple of moments uh, where his passing was iffy, despite uh, attempting the joint-most passes of any player on the field. Um, you know, which has something to do with obviously how we're trying to build the play. But uh, I, th- I thought he was—I thought he was good, and then and then Cathcart back as well. But you know, I've never been sold on his distribution either. So I, I think the the thing that is important about the centre halves is, and I think we discussed this in the last show, that their kind of age profile has been uh, you know refreshed going forwards and even if we see them share the role around you would you would assume that uh, Ben Wilmot is one that's going to you know be built around in the long term Uh, that said I've noticed that he's only got 18 months on his contract left hasn't he left on his contract according to Adam Leventhal so that's something we probably ought to address sooner rather than
2: later. I think also when you talk about distribution of centre-backs um, the thing that Ben Wilmot offers isn't just it's not just a, a nice pass completion ratio Cause in, in terms of that I think Cavaselli's actually got the best in the in the, in the team from this season oh, uh, from a centre-back <laughs> standpoint I believe so yeah and that, that also speaks to the types of passes they're attempting too I think with Wilmot he's going to look forward and I don't mind my centre-back necessarily not having the best pass accuracy if he's throwing in a lot of them a lot of them forward balls when he's looking to play in a striker he's looking to progress the ball and get the team at the pitch so I think it's important to have um, a player that can do that especially in a team we've had a few struggles through the central midfield to get the ball forward so if it adds another avenue to progress the ball then I'm quite happy to have a, a, a player that maybe doesn't complete on every single pass but he's, he's actually trying that and one thing that's been consistent through his, through his career especially since he's been a Watford player out on loan etc is that he's always going to look forward and he's happy to take that risk which I, I quite like from a centre back personally especially when they're partnered next to someone like Sirialto mm.
0: And with Kafka coming back who got a few minutes yesterday uh, it's certainly a strong position for Watford and I suppose the table doesn't lie in the fact that Watford you know, haven't reconsidered that many goals this season compared to the other teams.
2: Yeah, they've been solid and, and they definitely play a big part of that. I think also the, the full-back players have been pretty good as well um, and we've also had some you know some defensive work creating in that midfield as well throughout the season with the likes of Cleverly and Chalaba that sat pretty deep when he's played and we've got a decent defensive unit. It's just working out how we can how we can be a little bit more fluid with uh, transitioning that ball from the defence up into up into midfield and then obviously into attack and creating chances from there. So we're definitely getting it right at that end. I'd say we look a little bit more composed. I think at the beginning of the season we had some good defensive numbers, but I think maybe there's a little bit of an underlying. A few underlying issues. We weren't. We were getting away with a few things. Um, I think now we actually do look genuinely quite assured defensively. I don't think it's um, so much overperforming. I think we're performing at a level that we're playing at, and we, we're getting the rewards from that.
0: Well, it's been almost 10 minutes since we started talking and we haven't actually spoken about the, the goal yet the Watford goal that <laughs> uh, that made Watford go away with three points and uh, well the finish itself it was a, it was a classic strike from uh, from Troy Deeney, wasn't it I'm noticing a trend now of keepers staying planted because I feel like they they know exactly what's coming uh, Tom and Jordan but they, yeah. they, they
1: can't they can't keep it out can they the strike's just too powerful. Jack Walton got closer, I think, off the top of my head, than anyone else has this season or in the last sort of couple of seasons when he's really made this his his strategy to keeping it out. I think in the end, I'm I'm a little bit worried. As you say, it's it's not a secret anymore. It's not. It's a bit like bit like Sergio Ramos always panicking his penalties. It's not a secret anymore. So how more of them aren't saved, I don't know, and I, I just wonder if he might have to throw a curveball in there at some point so at some stage soon because and, and, and the fact that it is always Deeni really who takes the penalties uh when he's in the team. Um you know I, I I worry that we might be getting to a point where someone is gonna just stand firm and be able to keep it out. But you know, the they did the job, didn't it? So we can't can't mm. really
2: complain.
0: At first it sort of went to the right, didn't he? Sort of like trying I don't know, do some kind of goalkeeper trickery, but it didn't work, did it, Jordan?
2: Well, no, it's, it's, I think it was a tough one. I mean, I'm, I'm not a goalkeeper expert, especially when it comes to penalty saving at all, but if you put yourself in his shoes, I think one of the difficulties you face is that whilst they are central, they're not dead on down the middle. He's just kind of going for that general area, kind of high in the roof of the net and hard. And you've kind of got to commit early to a direction otherwise you really struggle to kind of track the ball as it's coming straight at your face so I think it's a case of you have to get a little bit lucky that you've got that firm hands or double hands behind the ball as it's coming towards you and it's very hard even if you know it's coming down the middle to judge exactly where that is especially when you're in like a a strange you're in a strange body position for a goalkeeper to make a save it's very unnatural you're not diving to one side and making a save like you're used to you're staying straight and, and expecting that right in your face so it's it's, a, it's an interesting strategy but as tom's saying it's only a matter of time before one stands there and they get a strong enough hand or two behind it and it's it's going to be saved but i think there's also an argument for that being okay because up until now his conversion rate's been pretty good
0: mm. yeah absolutely um we saw all more from zinc and Ago again and uh looking at fan reaction on twitter again as as our sort of barometer uh he's he's really pleasing a lot of the fans i think they want to see more of him uh, you know, he might. He surely, he's pushing for a start now. I've sort of seen some interesting stuff on, on your Twitter, Jordan, about him. Do you want to go into a bit of that and, and explain, you know, his numbers?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he instantly showed yesterday that he's got the ability to, to have an impact on games at this level. Uh, I think when he came on, he obviously started on that left-hand side, and it's not his best position. But I think he did a good, a good job of adapting to it in the sense that he kind of came into some more central areas. And had it not been for an offside flag, he could have easily played in Joe Pedro at a, a really good time where he just drifted into that midfield. Area and, and played him in very nicely. Um, he, he did pop up on the right hand side, which led led to that cross coming in for Truster Khan, which is really unfortunate. It was a great ball in, and the way you can deliver the ball with pace and it just lands right on the spot. It's it's not it's not all these it's not always high in the air. He he can play it into the forwards onto their feet, which is a big asset if we're playing some strikers that aren't necessarily the best in the air, especially with the likes of Jao Pedro. And that delivery is just going to be very important. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you see it coming from the right hand side mainly. Um, I, I would be looking to get him there as much as possible. But we did at least see that uh, he can make an impact. I mean, if you have 11 passes in the game and one of them is a key pass, then that's a pretty good ratio. And that's something that we should hope to see more from of him. And uh, I think it's at the point now where we should be expecting him to start and at least giving him the minutes to actually kind of get some end product to the uh, the brief performances we've been seeing so far.
0: Tom, do you have a word on Zink and Eagle? Zink's as I'm affectionately calling him.
1: Uh, he was he was good, wasn't he? It wasn't very long after he came on. I think I'm right in saying that he sort of beat one man, didn't he? Coming in off the left and then drifted through two more sort of very limp challenges to set up that that Joao Pedro chances. As Jordan mentioned. I like the look of him. I think I I'd, I've I'd, I'd been frustrated that he's not played more up until this point, but I looked it up today and he played nearly two and or just under two and a half thousand minutes last season in Norway and their season only finished on December 22nd so I think a little bit like uh, other players that we've signed from leagues that don't align with the European calendar in the Mm. past the typical kind of European calendar that we're used to you know I think we've got to manage him quite carefully especially with the number of Games coming up, um, so that we don't, you know, ruin him before next season. But I suspect, on the the evidence that we've seen so far, he's looked bright every time he's come off the bench. And obviously, in the start at Man United, it'll be, it can't be long until we we see him from the unleashing start in a Championship game. <laughs>
2: It's difficult, isn't it? Because we have a, effectively our best player players in, in the position he plays in. So it's, it's a hard balance mm-hmm. to strike and it's finding how to get them in together. I thought yesterday was probably Sar's best game for us in the season in the sense mm-hmm. that he was taking on players. I know I mentioned, I mentioned that on Twitter earlier, but he attempted his most dribbles in that game. He got the most progressive runs. He was just being aggressive and he was taking on his man. And you you really do see the change in um, in, in how the defences play against us when Sar is doing that. I think that's something we needed to see from him and it's really really good. Hopefully something he can continue that he's started to show that now. Um, which obviously makes it harder for Zinc and Negle to get in the team. But having said that, I also thought when we did make that change, uh, in formation, and Sauer and Pedro played up front for uh, towards the end of the game. I thought we saw a lot better movement. Um, I thought that we looked a lot sharper. I think it was much harder for Barnsley to kind of pick us up defensively. Um, they, they have both Sauer and Pedro are happy to go into those wide areas. They create them overloads of space. They make it uncomfortable for the opposition defence. And whilst they might not be the most traditional front pairing, and as we talked about before, again, we've seen that they were a bit hit and miss, a bit up and down. But I think yesterday showed how they can be used correctly, especially. Especially when you have people that or players that can provide them with uh, with the passes they need to to thrive up there, having the likes of Hughes, Zinchenko in the team makes a huge difference to that. Because without them, I think we really did see that that stuttering kind of attack that we we, we kind of grew used to under Ivić. But I think if we if we change things slightly with the players returning, we've actually got a chance of making that a pretty pretty dangerous combination.
0: It was another very strong performance from Daniel Backman in the goal. um, Another clean sheet for him. And and he actually had uh, some saves to make in this one. And one in particular that you mentioned already, Tom, that was probably his best save was from Watford's own Suralta. And, I mean, not many goalkeepers would have had the reactions to to be able to quickly turn and and parry that one away. And, uh, you know, I think it it, it really stands him in good stead to, to potentially keep the gloves once Foster's fit again.
1: Yes, the thing we've learned, I think, is since we spoke last is that Ben Foster is going to be out now for a few weeks. Um, so, you know, that's I think that's great for Backman. It gives him a run without, you know, it coming at kind of Foster's expense in so much as being dropped because he's short of form or anything like that. So I think that was impressive. I think Backman, that was the only save he had to, make in the truest sense, wasn't it, from Cyril. But I think, you know, that is kind of an important part of goalkeeping as well is to be alert and be lively when you've not had anything to do apart yeah. from kind of, you know, plucking crosses out of the air and and, and so on. Um, so, and, and to be honest, that's something that Ben Foster, you know, earlier in his career at Man United, I think struggled with, didn't he? After being at Watford and getting peppered every week, going to Man United and only having to make a couple of saves a game, he's, he seemed to, you know, have some difficulties with concentration as a young man. So I think for Batman that's good. I would also just reiterate what we said in the past, that, you know, his passing was very good again. He was very prompt the off his line there are a number of occasions where he's seen to come and, and clear balls on the edge of the area or, or pick them up on the edge of the area and sort of spread them out to the fullbacks uh, you know with, with quite a bit of conviction and yeah just it, it, it's hard to believe that he's only played uh, as, as few games as you know what was it three or four games now this season um, you know he looks like he's been there all year doesn't he and long may it continue.
0: Stoke up next then. Uh, Another televised game. Well, I suppose they're they're all televised these guys, aren't they? But I mean, this one's been moved for television uh, to Sky Sports, I think. And Mm. what's your thoughts on this one coming up against Stoke? It's uh, the game where it was actually quite an exciting one last time in the return game. It finished 3-2 in the end with a cracking Tom cleverly finish and uh, Pedro and Sar also getting on the score sheet. Do you think this one will be as close?
2: I think it could well be, yeah. I mean, Stoke are in, in a position where it's a little bit hard to judge what exactly you're going to see from them, but I think that we saw enough in that first fixture that there's, there's there are players in there that can hurt you, and I think we've got to be approaching this game in a similar way that we did to Barnsley in the sense that we, we're trying to be a bit proactive and, and maybe reacting a little bit more to how Stoke play and, and looking to find a way of... Um, of being aggressive in, in our attack and, and finding that balance because I think our away games we've really struggled with that, even under Munos as well. And that's probably the main objective for us, is to just try and kind of get that that balance we've seen at home and just trying to translate that into them away performances. So it's gonna be a tough game, but um I think there's I think there's a chance we can come away with a win. It's just it's just really comes down to that for me.
1: Stoke are in horrible form aren't they they've uh, you know no win in seven uh, they were seventh at the time of recording obviously there's games tonight it's Wednesday evening uh, you know coming into this off a topsy-turvy draw at Rotherham who obviously aren't great they've been busy this month signed uh, Reese Norrington Davis a couple of wingers in Jack Clark and Robbie Matondo so that's going to be uh, leads me into my next point which is you know four two three one. they get the ball wide they get a lot of crosses into the box and um, completed the most per 90 of any team in the championship and attempt the sixth most. And they're you know, despite kind of trying to get away from that a few years ago, I think they're still a fairly direct team, aren't they? More goals from headers this season than anyone else. Seventh for set-piece assists. um, And and they're up there as well for for long passes. So I think it's going to be a different challenge to that that we faced in the last couple of games. But uh, uh, a, a tough game
2: regardless.
0: Any final words from yourself, Jordan?
2: I mean, yeah, I think I think what, what Tom says is right there, it's stoke a bit of an unknown quantity, but personally I never like I never like facing a losing team. I think it's always a danger and I think it's always a little bit of that. Feeling amongst amongst fans when your team faces a, a team that's losing, you always kind of feel like you're going to be the the change in form for them. Um, but yeah, I think Stoke are going to have to be at a point in their season where they're they're trying to be looking up the table and they've got to be improving. And with uh, with the signs they've made, there's there's the possibility of them doing that. So I definitely wouldn't take uh, take them too lightly. Um, I think it's just going to be one of them games which could, uh, going to be a good barometer of uh, where we are. I think again, it feels like we're saying that every single game now. Um, we're half over half through the season, it still feels like we kind of trying to figure out exactly what we are but it does feel like a big one um and i'm hoping that we can build on uh some of the positives we saw from the last game hopefully that means a start for zinconagle um i think that we might see zinconagle in and pedro in again and perhaps gray and sar out i think i think sars definitely due arrest um but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it and i'm just hoping that we see uh building us building upon those uh those positives from last night
0: Excellent stuff. Thanks, guys. That's it for today's shortened episode of the Watford Buzz. You can find more from the boys at Jordan Wymer and at TB Burdell. And my own Twitter is at Messi Messiano. Please give us all a follow. Also, please give the Watford Buzz on Twitter a follow at Watford Pod. And I know I've asked a lot of you tonight, but if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, and if you like this, please give us a review on there because it really does help the stats for other Watford fans to come and find us. And I'm going to be honest now, when I listened to shows before around my own, I never left reviews. I didn't think I had the time and I didn't bother, but I didn't realize how important it is for those guys to get the reviews. So please do give us a review. Uh, Just stick it on there. Tell us uh, if we're good. Tell us if we're bad. But um, we'll we'll be able to pick those up and we'll be able to hopefully improve the show to make it better for you guys. Okay. well, Watford could potentially be level on points with Swansea by the weekend if all things go well and they get themselves another victory. So from Jordan, from Tom and from myself, enjoy your week and bye for now.